Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. All right. Monday morning. We're back. We're back, baby. I think we figured out all the kinks. I feel confident about this one. Uh, we'll see. No. I'm not super confident, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> Very is understandable. It? No, last week, oh, man, last week was one of the worst ever, and I was not in a mood for it either. Um, you hung in there well, though. I will give you that. It was a full hour of trying to get anything. Yeah. It was a valiant effort. It was valiant. You didn't, it was very apparent that you had internal rage, like from deep places in your heart boiling up, mm -hmm. but you didn't take them out directly on us, which <laughs> was appreciated. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm yeah. good at like just stuffing that down. I, I didn't <laughs> just bury it. That. We kind of talked in the six minutes we were able to record before it stopped again working we talked about anger and i think i mentioned that like frustration at at things like driving and technology not working and people interrupting you those sort of things that just sort of frustrate and annoy i am irritable but i don't blow up you know i just kind of shut down and like leave me alone but the deeper anger stuff that you were talking about like the injustice or the, the situation you feel like you can't change, but you have to change and keeps you up nights. That's a different kind of anger, I feel, that I am more susceptible to. So do you just like sit and fester with that? Let it boil? I mean, it depends. Right now, I, I don't have anything I'm really angry about. In fact, my, I'm pretty content with most things and people in my life. Things are going well, but... There have been times, there's seasons where it's like three months, I just can't sleep very well because I'm thinking about the situation that's mm -hmm. upsetting me, you know? Yeah, those little inconveniences. I, I did smash my shin yesterday Oof. on a sacristy like drawer. Oh my gosh. It's for a, for a split second, it's like my life is over. And then and you kind of... For some reason, hard not to take it personally. Like why? <laughs> Did you do that? <laughs> Somebody has been planning this all day, <laughs> like just for me to smash. One of my nephews, uh, Anthony, is like learning how to run. And every once in a while, he'll you know, like trip and stumble and have like a big old wipeout. And the way that he articulates the same feeling is, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> He's just like yelling at kind of like the world, like <laughs> that wasn't my plan. And I fell and I scraped my knee. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> oh, man, I hurt. I hit my knee. Uh, it's always when you're like a little bit late. And so I just do things a little bit faster. I was like tidying up the living room before I went over for holy hour. Mm. And I hit my knee on the coffee table so hard. I did think I was dying. Like this electrical <laughs> storm in my brain. I must have hit the nerve on the knee where at first it's like, it doesn't even hurt. It's just like, 
as if one of those um, flashbangs went off in your house, like the army was coming to raid you or assassinate you. (laughs) I I was totally disoriented. And then the pain came in, you know, like a second and a half later of just this deep, your knee is now compromised and you'll never walk the same way again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, that is the worst. Yeah, when the, whenever you hit something hard enough that the, the pain is delayed and you can register in just in that second, like, oh, man, this is going to hurt so bad. So bad. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, had a, hmm. I had a really good weekend. My, um, my hometown, where my parents still live, canceled their fireworks on the 4th of July this summer because they, you know, they had to plan them early and they were still doing covid restrictions then um but they made them up this weekend they had a fourth of july celebration it was actually really nice because it was a cooler evening in uh whatever september and i just happened to go up to see mom and dad on saturday night and they're like oh they're doing the fireworks because i drove by the park i'm like why is everybody at the park and like oh they're doing fireworks tonight let's do it and uh you guys know my dad's been pretty sick lately and um he was feeling good and we just sat in the park and watched fireworks and they played some of the most, uh, um, unironic patriotic medley songs. Uh, you know, they had like the John Philip Sousa marches and stuff, but they also had like, is it Toby Keith? The song after nine 11, that was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> kind of outrageous. They were, playing these like we are proud to be an american where at least we know we're free and it's september 20th and you're just like yes okay i can get i can get into this that makes me i don't know if this fully expresses it but that makes me want to do this (laughs) it was my dad put it this way my dad was really happy (laughs) it, it was good to see him feeling good that's so cool dude yeah that's in Rob. Yes, that did fully express it. Mm-hmm. I told you the video. Yeah, the fist pump, but then the mm, yeah, the purse lifts like mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm. Yep. And then uh, Ryder Cup. You guys watch that? Yeah, I didn't, did. but heard we dominated. Yeah, domination. <laughs> yeah, we kicked some serious booty. Well, if we're gonna ride this America slash awesomeness train, so check this out on on Tuesday. Uh, I'm actually flying out with the army. I've, my orders finally got approved to Wichita, Kansas. And, uh, I am going to the funeral of father Emil Capon, who they were able to identify his remains. Uh, he's a Korean POW, uh, medal of honor recipient and potential saint saint in the canonization process. Uh, but he died in Korea. And they couldn't find his remains for, what, 60, 50, 60 years, something like that. Hmm. They finally ID'd him, and they're bringing his bones back to Wichita. And there's going to be a big uh, funeral celebration, and they're going to finally bury him back in his hometown. Uh, So I'm flying out there and going to hang out with the Wichita boys and celebrate this saint soldier hero who's just a romping B.A., dude. That's awesome. How did they figure out it was his remains? They thought for a long time that he was still buried up in the, I guess it would have been like the border of North Korea and China. Um, 
but it was a misidentification of where they thought he was buried. He, he died in one of the death marches as a POW and uh, f- like forced starvation and, and, and all these different things. But it turns out he was actually a part of a group that was buried in a mass grave that was brought back to Hawaii. And I guess there's a team that goes through the remains of fallen soldiers to try and identify them for their families. And for my uh, family. For my family. And they finally got to do a, I guess it was a DNA match with his brother had provided the DNA for them to get a legitimate match. And his brother's dead, but they reached out to his nephew and to the rest of his living family there. So he's from this little small farm town in Kansas and he's going back home, man. That's awesome. The memorial, uh, I guess his little placard over his memorial, uh, it says all man and all priest. That's like, hmm. that's what he was known as. He was all man and all priest. So I'm going to party out there at the Wichita guys, but you know, as an army chaplain, like Catholic priest, like he's, he's my dude. Who's so, doing the funeral? The, the archbishop? They asked me to do it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You got like a letter with a wax seal. <laughs> yeah, no, they barely let me can celebrate. So <laughs> like, really even letting you in the building. <laughs> um actually I don't know who's gonna do it. It's not the archbishop for the military. I my guess is it's Bishop Kimmy. That that's just that's just my guess though. But that's a bishop dude, of Wichita. Yeah. Wichita is a bumping, I mean, American homestead. Yeah, but their Catholicity, I think, is legitimately, like, beautiful in its its presence, even in, like, the culture that shapes the city. Mm -hmm. And so they have an arena rented out for this bad boy, and my guess is it's going to be off the chain. Wow. So I'm pretty excited. So the funeral will be 10 a.m. on uh, Wednesday morning. Yeah. Poof. Love it, dude. That's exciting stuff. That's cool. That's very cool. Man. What, uh, I don't know if there's any more to say on, on that, but I am next week. I'm going on retreat for my IPF retreat that Connor, you flunked out of. So you won't be there. Idiot. But, uh, I have been trying to uh, discern, if you will, what grace to ask for in this retreat. I haven't gotten too far. Yeah, it's starting to come together a little bit, but I don't know. Just talking about like the goodness that's in the world right now. What graces are you guys asking for right now? Hmm. Dude, you always do ask. You ask great questions. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Graces I'm asking for. Um, I mean, lately I've just been, I've been uh, vibing on divine intimacy, just deeper intimacy with God, with Christ and Mary. Um, that's kind of been the way I've phrased it in my head, but the kind of communion where it's just all day, you know, 
whether you feel it or not, just knowing that I am known and I know and love. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to retreat a lot. Communion has been the word that's been coming up for, for me as well. It needs to flesh out a little bit, a little bit more, but yeah, something that's good though. Divine intimacy. All Communion, I feel is another way of saying it. Yeah. You're, you're like one of those 24 seven gas stations mm-hmm. all day. I'm open all day. Open for business. Too much good stuff. You want a coffee and a honey bun? Mm-hmm. That'll be a buck fifty all day. Yeah. But if you decide instead of the honey bun, like you and Chili Dog, no problem. We got Whoa. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang, dude. Gas station Chili Dogs? That's a just, risk. Just gas station Chili. <laughs> <laughs> um. A grace that I've been praying for, and it actually came from, uh, I didn't know what to pray for. And then the Lord kind of revealed what I want um, and what I need. Uh, So I've been trying to return to that grace and and praying for it. As I've noticed that um, my heart feels very cluttered and like really busy. And... um, like I've been coming to prayer. So it's even been busying up a lot of my prayer. And so I come in like what's, you know, I got like the seminary first year stack full of books in prayer and uh, like not being able to just sit with the Lord, but kind of feeling very preoccupied during a lot of my holy hours. And, um, and so I've been asking for the grace to have my heart decluttered and just to slow down like my heart just to slow down and uh, the times that that's actually that I've let the Lord do that. Um, the experience has, has been a lot of interior um, like the best way I can describe it is with the spatial image, just like feeling a, a lot of open space within my heart that previously had been full of just junk, you know? And it's like, yeah, the Lord, just giving him a little bit of space. And then he opens up these like kind of infinite horizons interiorly where I realized that I would just be seeking after little individual goods. And like, it just kind of kept me going from thing to thing to thing to thing. And that's different than saying, no, I just want to be with the Lord, be open to whatever he provides. And then allowing him to kind of take care of all the, 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 the details you know, like the in between, but just having the space to rest with, with the Lord. Yeah. So declutter my heart has been a big thing. Yeah, man. I'd, I'd say this part of what was great about this past weekend and really week is feeling like, wow, all my projects and plans have not ceased to be in need of attention whether that's the sewer at the house, the chapel renovation, um, all sorts of other stuff, Newman related or personal. Um, I felt more detached, like decluttered seems to resonate in the same way as just not so wrapped up in the thing that needs to get done. You know, not uh, 
that I don't care anymore. You know, I still, I still am like attentive and appropriately engaged with my temporal duties, but it's very easy to make those things kind of the ends. And then God's grace is the means to get those done rather than the other way around where God gives us these things to do to cooperate with his grace, to learn trust and learn communion and divine intimacy that those he's present even in that stuff. But that ultimately because of that fact, I'm not the one ultimately responsible for creating a good outcome. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is a lesson. I mean, I've learned and know, but I just so easily fall into it again that, Oh, it's actually my responsibility to fix this in a way that's like, doesn't even, uh, it's not even real. Like I can't make this building never have another problem. Cause that, that's, that's kind of what's in my mind when, when our sewer pipe breaks is, Oh, I need to fix that. And then also everything about this building that could possibly go wrong. I need to make sure that it doesn't so that I can hand it on to the next guy. Um, and there's never any maintenance issues or whatever. And like, when, when did that ever enter into my head? When, when you were in seminary, like you have this idea of priesthood, but then you fall into parish priesthood, which is very temporal in its, its duties and responsibilities. And I just, um, can see how a priest can fall into thinking he's just like the CEO of this small little thing. Um, at the cost of, you're the shepherd. You're the one who's plugged. You're the shaman, man. You're like plugged into God so that other people can re- um, live in that warmth. You know, you're you're this mediator of God's grace. It's this intensely spiritual, mystical thing. But at the same time, it is unplugging toilets and making sure that doors are locked and, you know, <laughs> people are taken care of and stuff like that. Um, well, that room, yeah, that's good. But that living in the, living in the mystery of both is is where it's at. I read a book years ago. We were still in seminary on Kapan from Wichita, and yeah, I mean, it was the guys that it was just. I think it was written by one of the guys for the newspapers in in Wichita. More around his, yeah, that's it, because it's more around his Medal of Honor, yep. like um, yep. story than the canonization mm-hmm. story. But um, it's a totally different setting. But I think that sums it up, the, at least as an aspiration. Maybe that'll be my grace to ask for, like in the retreat next week, is I want to be all man and all priest. Because like um, that's his, even his story, it's wild because it's this like extreme oppression as a prisoner of war. But like his concerns were in this tension of like, he was in communion with Jesus, but his concerns were extraordinarily temporal. So there's all these stories of in that book of just him so like true. on this death march, like just helping guys in whatever way he could to make it to the camp. Like he yeah. was like, you have to make it. And yeah. then even in the camp, he'd be the one like, yeah, literally like washing dirty underwear and stuff like that just to have some level of hygiene for the guys to survive. Yeah. But then they said they finally, if I remember the story right, they they finally realized he was like a big morale leader. And so they wanted to kill him. And so I don't know if they sent him to, if it was a starvation bunker or what, but 
at this point they knew wherever he was going, he was going to die. And so all the guys around him are upset because he's this like both spiritual, but just leader of them. And he just, he was peaceful. And he said, like, don't worry about me. I'm going to be with Jesus. And that was it. Yeah. And actually a little detail uh, on the end of that story, he actually said, don't worry, I'm going to be with Jesus. When I'm up there in heaven, I'll say some prayers for you. And apparently there was one guy that he had taken care of and knew pretty well that needed to take care of his marriage when he got home. And he actually said, when you get home, and you, if you don't take care of your marriage, I'm going to come down and kick you in the, in the, you know what? <laughs> so he was like, he was all man and all priest. I mean, 100%. And uh, I was reading through it last night, uh, just getting prepared for the trip. And it actually made me think of um, that that geese metaphor that you used, Connor, to explain mm-hmm. the incarnation and kind of the rationale behind it. Um, because he was a chaplain, uh, that means that he was an officer. And a lot of the difficulties in trying to boost morale and be a leader, especially when you're in the POW type situation, is that, um, yeah, and especially in death marches and when there's a possibility that like the Koreans, which were partially the Chinese, um, like local soldiers, they weren't taken prisoners. They were being very rough, very kind of brutal. They would kill anybody that couldn't keep up. And so when officers would come by and ask the enlisted to do extra work, they would not, they wouldn't listen to the officers whatsoever. And so because Kapan, Father Kapan was an officer, he knew that nobody would listen to him. None of the enlisted guys would listen to him. So when they're on these death marches, he would lead by example first and foremost. And it says uh, there's a line in the book, like he didn't preach from a distance, but he jumped in the, in the trenches and made himself one of them so that then he could lead as one of them through his example and through his actions. So he Mm -hmm. would like jump into trenches and start digging. And there's another story where he would jump into you know, like where they were digging latrines, like actual toilets. And he would be the first guy to jump in to help digging, to help dig. And then everyone would see how hard he would work. And then they would say, okay, well, what can we do to help this guy out? So he first made himself one of them and then led from like actually as a soldier, not from the outside, but actually from the inside. And I'm like, dude, that's totally, that's the incarnation. Huh. That that's absolutely the incarnation, and because of it, he was able to save. They say like a hundred, two hundred lives. He walked twenty miles with a guy on his shoulders and frostbite on his feet, like literally no toes. Oof. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. All man and all priest. That is that's actually really good. That's what I want to be. That the two are not in competition, but, you know, the more of a man you are, the more of a priest you are, and vice versa. Um, Yeah. That's a great example. I'm just wondering, Mike, what is your, remind me of your schedule of, you're going to be deployed or something, or what's your thinking on your future as a military priest? Yeah, so I do reserves right now, which means once a month I go and work with soldiers down in my unit. And then in July of 2022, I'll go do the Gatorade. 
Get hydrated. Gotta hydrate. You gotta stay hydrated, baby. Um, to the audio listeners, that's not a inserted sound clip. That's no. just him <laughs> drinking out of a Gatorade bottle. That's legit me getting Rob, ready for st- my day. Yeah, I still like your idea to hire somebody like a trainer or a manager <laughs> where you just open up your mouth. I'm in the middle of a really <laughs> deep point, but I'm <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> um so then in July of 2022, I'll go full-time active duty and will be released to the Archdiocese for the military services. And at that point, I'll be under the command and direction of the military entirely. So wherever they need chaplains or priests, that's where they will send me. In perpetuity? For now, my contract is four years active duty, mm-hmm. and then it'll be a conversation between the bishops and then... Um, They'll have to fight over me like a piece of meat, and mm-hmm. then we'll see. Uh, we'll see where where I go after that. So, but dude, I love being a parish priest. I love it. I mean, yeah. I yeah, it's tough because you want to be thinking about the things of heaven sometimes, but the parish is so immediate and yeah, like you said, temporal and demanding on. Uh, communicating God's love through the little things. Uh, yeah. They say Father Capon would, um, he would be the guy that would have people line up and he would pick through their hair to free them of lice because it was such a torture and a torment for them. But like he would be that guy. Just this wow. kind of little insignificant thing, but that's how he communicated God's love to him. You know? It's a work of mercy. Yeah. Wow, and it's pretty intimate too, picking through your guys' hair to pick bugs out. It's like you're very close to them, but in a way that's, <clears throat> I don't know. I think of like the St. Francis, uh, was St. Francis the one that got down from his horse and embraced the leper? That's the story. Part, yeah, part of his conversion. I don't know. I find yeah. that stuff really, uh, it, it's hard. I don't know that I do that or I'm willing to do that get down and kiss the swords of the leper, or pull, pull the lice out of the soldier's hair. Um, you know, I hope that if the time came for that to happen, that I would, but like today's St. Vincent de Paul, I always think of him as somebody who, wasn't he during the plague, he would go visit people that had bubonic plague. I don't it's know. It's pretty crazy. Maybe. There's a movie I saw, Monsieur Vincent. It's a French, old French black and white movie. It has one of my favorite lines ever, which was, the, you know, he forms the Daughters of Charity, which are these kind of rich ladies who who do works of mercy. And one of them is uh, to get these babies who the prostitutes leave on church doorsteps and raise them. And, um, you know, they have to be out there alert to when the babies get left, like especially in winter, so they don't get exposed <laughs> And one of the ladies is rationalizing how she just doesn't want to do that. And she says, well, maybe because they were born in sin, God wants them to die. And Vincent says to her in a rage, he goes, when God wants someone to die for sin, he sends his son. Which I think is a pretty cool line. She felt pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she felt really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, sad to say, I, we've actually visited 
St. Vincent de Paul's incorrupt body and Bailey. And and it was right next to the Livre. Okay, we're very cultured. I'm very cultured. Why don't you give us a Lizzie? Lizzie? Okay, here, when we were. <laughs> I know the story you're going to tell. Well, so unfortunately, with the St. Vincent de Paul thing, I've seen his incorrupt body. We actually visited his church in Paris, and I, I don't really know his story. Mm. I do. They'll organize it. Like, St. Vincent de Paul Society is legitimately awesome i think they they do they do great stuff especially here at the parish but watch that movie uh, i'm i got it on netflix back when it was mailing mail-in dvds it might be such an old movie it's not on streaming but (laughs) whoa um, dude same thought rob we used to do mail-in dvds that was a Mm -hmm. thing yeah holy cow that was what netflix was exclusively Mm -hmm. wow Okay, it so was when a we were slow blockbuster, yeah. When when we were in uh, in Paris, we stayed with this super awesome family. Uh, what's their last name, Rob? Ruse the Ruse the Ruse the Ruse, and they like pulled out the stops for us. We're in this Paris mm. flat, really beautiful. Um, Pierre, the husband, came home after work and was like just showing off all of his French history and. Got out his Edouard, dad's old Edouard. He got him in all of their like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts uniforms, which is like a big deal over there in France. And it's actually I've heard very, that. very Catholic, uh, like in its kind of DNA and structure. Uh, so they they teach like the sacraments and how to altar serve. And I mean, all these different, it's, it's a form of catechesis and it's, I mean, it's pretty, pretty cool. So he's like whipping out all the stops, man. It was a special night. It was really cool. Yeah, he's got his dad's saber from his military service, and he's going through all the history of France, and and so his like French, French love, and you know his, his French, his Frenchness, his Parisianness is full bore. I mean, it's like all out. And I'm telling him all these places that we've been on our little pilgrimage, and I get to Lazoo, and he, no joke, he, he sat there and made me try to pronounce it correctly for like. I don't know. It was probably a solid minute. And he would go, say it like this, les yeux. And I would go, les yeux. And he'd go, no, no, no. Les yeux. <laughs> and I'd go, les yeux. And he's like, no, no, no. And we did that back and forth. He would not let me move on in the freaking story oh, until gosh. I said, I didn't know. Les yeux. What are you, what are you talking about? But he couldn't. It's like, do not disrespect my language. Say it correctly. <laughs> I can uh, I can sympathize somewhat. It reminds me of a story, though, of a, a friend of mine told me years ago, and I don't remember what country this person was from, but he was explaining it like linguistically, there are certain sounds that like some languages just don't have. And so you can be hearing what the person is saying and totally unable to replicate it or even to really hear it like because you just don't have that sound in your your bank of thing sounds you can make and hear hmm. um like the or whatever in french we just never say it so you can't you can't even hear the difference between what you're saying and what he's saying but there was this one guy <laughs> trying to say the name pam this woman <laughs> was named pam and <laughs> he couldn't pronounce it right so they, they'd be like, it's pronounced Pam. And he'd go, bam. 
<laughs> and then they'd, know, they'd say like, no, 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 Pam. And it would get worse and be like, bah. <laughs> and he would like lose one of the consonants. That's so funny. And of course, you know that takes place also in the movie Step Brothers. Oh, what? Is that mm-hmm. Pam? Pam. Oh, that's he, right. You can't figure out how to say Pam. Is it panned? Is there, is it, <laughs> are there two ends? <laughs> are you saying Pam or Pan? No, it's just it's just Pam. It's just Pam. <laughs> I. And they're doing the interview together, and Will Ferrell pops out from the back. That's right. He's sitting right behind him. I think I can help you with this whole Pam Pan problem. I forgot that that's the same name. <laughs> well, I got to get going, guys. When okay. are you going down for that funeral for Kapan? That will be, I'll fly out tomorrow morning, and uh, we'll do like a vigil. Um, service tomorrow night and then the, the funeral will be on Wednesday morning. It's awesome, man. We'll say yeah. a little prayer for safe travels and good times. Yeah. So by the time this posts, I'll probably ha- will have already celebrated that mass. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We got to be careful not to date these podcasts. So people, people don't know that we're doing them in advance now and that we've got a whole team of people that are, you know, producing these and making them amazing. An awesome team. Might An add. awesome team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love you guys, team. Good job, team. We love you. <laughs> All right. Later, dudes. <laughs> are you ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.